We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one way. What is the other way? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Ah, it's fine. I've been working long hours, slaving away in a hot kitchen. Not for my own enjoyment, um, so that's been interesting. My left leg hurts a bit, my back hurts a bit. I've forgotten what honest work felt like. Well, you know what uh, you sh- you should be doing instead of that. You should have been in at, in San Diego, hanging out with myself and the rest of the Comic Con crowd. Um, I I, th- I agree that I should have been in San Diego, hanging out with the Comic Con crowd. However, I'm very very glad I did not go to Comic Con. <laughs> it just does not sound like my idea of fun. I'm sorry. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Comic-Con at the end of the show, and we're going to do a little wrap-up. Uh, you'll get, I guess you're going to have to ask me some questions, since, uh, t- since uh, otherwise it'll just turn into me monologuing. But, Pretty much. <laughs> but before we get there, uh, let's, uh, we're going to kick it off with our weekend TV. And before that even, I want to mention we got a new rating and a new review in iTunes. Uh, so thank you very much to whoever gave us the, the rating, and then to Zibante. Uh, uh, I'm saying this wrong, uh, Zibatant or something like that, whoever, the, the person who gave us the, the new uh, review, apparently, were their favorite TV podcast. Oh, snap! Which is awesome. So that just totally made my day. And uh, and they like the... Uh, can, can I just say, the Televerse is absolutely the best TV podcast that I appear on. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it is one of the best that I've been on, definitely. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it uh, th- they also really like the DVD shelf segment, and I like those too. Unfortunately, we won't have one this week, but we will be back with uh, a re- our regular format next week. Yeah, we, we got we got a few of those stored up. Yeah, so we, and some good shows, some good shows coming. We didn't get any comments about Batman, which kind of was a little disappointing to me because I love the animated series so much, but I guess people weren't feeling it, didn't feel like writing in. Um, but I did hear from a bunch of different people. I heard from somebody just yesterday uh, about how the newsroom is their favorite show of the summer. That was Sarah. So thank you, Sarah. And it's nice to hear from you. Um, I heard from a bunch of people about Comic-Con. Keith was very excited about uh, Supernatural panel and some of the other stuff. So no comments this week, but lots of Twitter talk. And it's always, as, as ever, it's always great talking with you guys and uh, kind of rehashing some of the week's tv as it's going down or in this case for me at least comic-con i was i was i was avoiding spoilers i was very glad to not get spoiled because i didn't get to see like louis or any of these other stuff until i got back on monday um but at the see at the website you have your louis reviews up yeah and i'm also writing up breaking bad which just so you know um amc streamed uh this week's episode live on their website i will not have that luxury next week so don't expect my review as early as I think it was 38 minutes after it aired or something, which was ludicrous <laughs> and only featured one factual error, which I quit, which I quickly amended. Uh, yeah, it will not usually be that fast. I also want to mention uh, for the sake of any more sensitive listeners that 
uh, when, by the time we get to the newsroom, I'm going to be swearing a lot more. You just need to be aware of that. <laughs> Heads up. Before it happens. Yeah. Just hence, in case you've got sensitive ears. Hence the explicit tag. But yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's going to be hard for you to talk newsroom, I would expect, yeah. without some some choice language and uh speaking of swearing i just want to mention quickly that they announced that uh, the thick of it is coming to north america sometime in the near future so you need to watch that when it happens because it's awesome without your children in the room but yes it's it's hilarious and whatever your children should hear it they back to back with deadwood if they're gonna they're gonna be swearing anyway you know they should at least get creative about it <laughs> I, I was i was re-watching it uh, as a result of reeling from the newsroom and i was just I was rewatching, especially those last two episodes of the last season, which are just mind-blowingly awesome. <laughs> it, I mean, I look forward to being able to, to see some of it. I've seen part of the series, but not the whole thing. So if they're starting with one of the more recent years, then I, I'm sure it'll be new to me. So I look forward to, to checking in on that. Um, I have my recaps from Comic-Con up at Sound on Sight. So you can read uh, my thoughts on each of the panels that I attended, which are all TV-related on the various days. And then also I appeared this week on the Paul Goebel show podcast. And that was myself and of course, Paul Goebel and his co-host and best friend, Tom Griffin. And so you can hear us talk more in depth about each of the pilots that we saw the opening night, as well as overall thoughts about the convention um, on, from we recorded at the con immediate our immediate thoughts. So we're going to get into, you know, we're going to do a comic con recap, but I, we're not going to spend quite the time. Like we spent half an hour just breaking down the pilots that we watched. So if you want to get a little more in depth, you can check that out there. And that's at, uh, paulglobalshow.com. I've learned the king of tv.com is where you can find that. All right. So let's get into our week in TV, and I'm going to kick it off with So You Think You Can Dance on Wednesday, and it was the first of the competition weeks. It's the top 20, so 10 pairs of uh, of dancers uh, d strutted their stuff, and it was, uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, the ones that stood out to me were, um, there was a, a samba number at the top that was really good with Whitney, who I think is one of the standouts amongst the women. And uh, her partner is fantastic, he, but he's a, a ballet guy, so not used to moving the hips. So he had a little trouble, but but uh, she was so good that it, she carried him along, I would say. Then there was uh, a really nice, um, really romantic uh, number with, I want to say, Audrey. And there was also a, a pretty great uh, I don't know, contemporary or jazz sort of number with with Amelia where it was two cats um in a dumpster it was really cute really fun but yeah there some of the dances i mean the the critics or the judges were very positive about everybody for the most part um there was one number that was just kind of strange that was they were the two dances were all in red and i couldn't like there wasn't any story it just seemed kind of strange but other than that i think they're pretty it was pretty solid across the board yeah so i mean for for me though there are a few that stood out more than the others i really think whitney is one to watch uh if i had to pick who was gonna go home i'm not a big fan of nick who's the male ballroom dancer of, of the gang um but other than that i do feel like they're all pretty evenly matched so we'll see what happens when we start our eliminations next week but it was really cool to see all the different styles this week um, and after that was Futurama Zap Dingbat. Yeah, this is about on par with recent Futurama. Uh, nothing too earth-shattering. Lots of lots of good zings here and there, but nothing that, you know, I think at its best, 
Futurama is kind of, I, I mean, I think all, nearly all the best episodes of Futurama are touching in some way, and they haven't really been going for that lately, which is kind of too bad. Um, but, you know, this was, you know, pretty, you know, it, it, it was amusing, but I'm I'm sort of getting impatient for Futurama to kick it up a notch a little bit. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, I liked, I mean, anytime we get Kiff and Zap, I, I'm happy. And I, I mean, I guess I would have liked more Kiff than we got, but uh, I, I thought the stuff with Leela and her mom and dad worked well. It was fun seeing the uh, the just the the interactions between them and the the dad surfing the sewers. There were some nice sight gags, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I I do think it's on par with the other ones, but I would agree it didn't quite kick it up to to the level that uh, we know that they are capable of. Mm-hmm. Well, and to be fair, they never. You know, Futurama's one, of, and I've said this before, but it's one of those shows that every once in a while will pull out an amazing episode, usually involving time travel. Uh, but, um, but it's it's still it's it's not as frequent as as you might hope. Yeah. Um, next was awkward. Three's a crowd. And can I just say you were right and I was wrong, and they're going to ride out this whole, uh, you know, two love interest thing until the cows come home. Yep, they are. <laughs> Okay, just just checking. Um, with with me accepting that caveat, I'm uh, I am enjoying awkward. Although we're not getting enough Sadie, mm-hmm. can I just say we're not getting enough Sadie? Not nearly. We need, I, I, we need like freaks and geek style a whole like Sadie's brain episode. Yeah, I mean, for me, every time she says "You're welcome," I just go to my happy place. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. It, for me, I, as much as I did really enjoy the episode, and I thought it was smart to address this aspect of the situation of uh, of uh, the balancing between the girlfriend and the best friend, and I mean that's an interesting or a, can be a problematic dynamic in any relationship without all of the other baggage going on. But I did miss Ming. Um, she's not in the episode at all, and uh, I I also would like more Sadie. Val is not working for me. The whenever the the guidance counselor slash uh, vice principal comes on screen, I just the story slows down and I get disinterested. I'm curious what you think of that. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think she was in the guidance counselor capacity in the previous season. I think she mostly worked here when you know she's got this underling and and you know her sort of power play for the vice principal thing was not particularly funny or interesting. And she's she kind of. She she feels like a diversion from what I do like about the show. The other thing for me is that while I am very much enjoying the situation uh, with the parents, it seems to have come out of nowhere, and I, I think that's unfortunate. All of last season, the mom's uh, materialism and potential bitchiness and silliness was just sort of glossed over as part of one of the heightened elements of the show. Um and and the relationship seemed completely solid. So to now have the dad moving out and looking like the parents are getting divorced um, so quickly feels abrupt and sort of just makes me question what they're trying to do with the tone. Yeah, well, they've always sort of had trouble, I think, integrating that relationship in a real way. You know, they've always been less than three-dimensional characters I, I i do like the dad um he hasn't but he, but he hasn't really had a whole lot to do mm-hmm. uh so to all of a sudden have their relationship be such a big deal and to be this big dramatic plot point i i agree it's a little bit uh out of left field 
Um, but other than that, I am really having a lot of fun with the show, and uh, it's a, it's remarkable how much how well they are, are able to suck me in with um, you know stereotypical high school shenanigans. Uh, so they're they're clearly doing doing their stuff right. Yeah, and I also want to mention that usually um, you only get this on MTV where where they'll they'll tell you what's playing in a little thing in a little mm-hmm. window in the corner and this was the first week in a long time where they were actually playing stuff that i knew and liked i think lacero was in there uh so way to go uh mtv music supervisor keep it up uh unlike i i, I had some problems with some music on on a show this week but we'll get there <laughs> i wonder what show it could be uh, but next we have wilfred guilt and we saw the return of wilfred's sister i'm assuming that was the season one storyline that i yeah. missed including uh, Richard Alpert himself, Alpert himself, uh, Nestor Carbonell, who I was glad to see pop up. What did you think of Guilt? Uh, for the record, I don't think we've seen Nestor Carbonell in this before, but it is amusing because um, everything that's happening in this episode is sort of a reference to what happened in the season one finale. And the season one finale opened with a really good lost gag uh. and then ended with a lost worthy cliffhanger. So it's it's uh, cute to see Richard Alpert show up. I don't know if that was intentional, but I'm going to go with the fact that it was. I think that this was, I think, my favorite of the new season so far. Uh, I love the running gag of Wilfred and his war against babies <laughs> and his surprisingly grim attempts to uh, to off the the uh, unborn interloper. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it it. it you know, Wilfred is not exactly subtle about outlining its theme. I mean, it tells you in the opening text what it's going to be, but uh, I don't know. It it was funnier and sort of more more consistent than some recent episodes. I liked all the scenes with Ryan and his new girlfriend. Uh, yeah, I like all that stuff. It's it's uh, it's it's cute uh, and funny, and I'm I'm hoping that she doesn't just turn out to be. Uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that that character gets her due. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I think I was thinking that the the war against babies was going to be my favorite gag of the episode. And then there's that closing tag with Wilfred uh, looking like he's smiling. And no, it's just that he he's really hot and it's faster to to breathe <laughs> yeah, out yeah. out there that way, uh, I, which I thought was just hilarious. Yeah, I'm glad that they gave the sister nuance. I wasn't expecting that. And because I haven't, like, I you know, I should repeat, I haven't seen any of season one, so I'm just kind of guessing about what happened before. Um, yeah, so I wasn't necessarily expecting that, and I was glad when it happened. And I'll be interested to see how long she sticks around. Yeah, all you really need to know is Ryan did something very, very, very dickish. Yeah, I gathered <laughs> based on their conversation. Uh, but yeah, yeah, um, we'll see how things progress from here. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting or notable that neighbor uh, Fiona Goldman's character has been gone for several episodes now, and uh, I'm not missing her. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. When he when he got a text at the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, I guess she's back, but I'd totally forgotten about the sister. So yeah, I think that was a good move, and uh, we'll see. I'll, although I although I do miss Chris Klein a bit, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but let's, uh, I guess let's move on to Louie and Miami. We loved last week's episode. There's been a lot of buzz about this one. What What did you think? Uh, yes, Louie finally lets go of the spotlight for a little bit. Sad face. Uh, despite the fact that he's not on the top of the show this week, I, I still really, really liked it. Um, this was such a nice, 
uh, relaxed sort of, I mean, this is the third or fourth episode that Louis done that kind of also qualifies as a travelogue and they're pretty much always good. Uh, and they're always different of course, cause it's Louis. Um, I, th- I, there were just these little beats sort of in between the main story that sort of did the most for me. Like, um, when he when he shows up on the beach and he's just looking at all these hard bodies and he's just disgusted. Like I, I don't I don't know if you know that feeling, but he absolutely nails it. Of just oh, why? Oh, just, I can't. Just, I'm not. I'm gonna. I I can just. I'll just swim in this t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That 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 was and 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 then again a few minutes later when he sort of gives up and comes back and you have that strangely lyrical moment of all, of all the like you know, paunchy middle-aged men taken back the beach. <laughs> I, I loved that. And, uh, and also the, it, you know, it didn't really contribute anything to the episode, but I, I loved the, um, that brief little scene with the strawberries and no, you, I told you, you, you couldn't, it's, I'm taking it back. And she's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> like that, that I loved. Um, yeah, lots to like, um, not, I mean, I, I did think the way that the sort of closing bit of stand up like underlined the theme for us was maybe a little bit much, but but I mean, it, come on, it's still Louis. It was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but it was one where I wasn't really laughing that much. You know, it was more chuckles of recognition um, as opposed mm-hmm. to the standard belly laughs that I, I experience watching this show. I do. I mean, I like when when Louis gets more introspective, and uh, and I think this examination of of loneliness and community, and also overstaying and not knowing when to leave um, is really interesting and is done well. Uh, but no, it, it, it just for sheer laugh out loud moments, it didn't quite uh, have me as much this week as, as last week. I did think it was interesting that we saw the same uh, ex-wife this week. It's, yes. I, I would assume she's going to be the go-to ex-wife for the season, if not the rest of the, sh- the series. So I think that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really like the episode a lot. It, it, it's just, again, it's nice to have a show like this on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That where you really have no idea what to expect. And I mean, and this, this week's episode really doesn't resemble either of the previous two at all, uh, at least rhythmically. So that's always nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also like I, you know, I'm not, you know, 45 or whatever, so I, I can't really quite yet, but I, I do like this, I, this I like that he takes an entire episode to explore this very specific idea about the fact that, you know, when you when you reach a certain age, it's hard to make new friends because, you know, the way you the ways that you used to make friends don't really work. And then you've got this additional problem where heterosexual men are you know the most insecure beings on the planet. And, um, and as he says, need the, the they're the only people who need to be recognized as such by other people. And I don't know there's a lot of uh, interesting variables there that you're not going to like, you're not going to see these things explored on any other show, at least not in this kind of depth. No, definitely not. Uh, so we'll see what happens next week. If it comes back into the spotlight or uh, mm-hmm. what the situation is, but I look forward to seeing the, uh, I assume um, struggle between breaking bad and uh, Louis for the spotlight uh, as we continue yes. along. Let's, let's continue on then. We, on Sunday, we have the premiere of Black Dynamite. Um, now, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, what, did, what were your thoughts on the film? Uh, I didn't really like it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd, just, I'd prefer to just sit down and watch coffee or like an, an actual exploitation film 
I'll probably get more kicks, less ironically. <laughs> okay. Um, what did you think of this premiere? I didn't like this much either. Um, I find it strange sometimes, the shows that Adult Swim decides or who, you know, whoever's in charge of these decisions. This show is going to be 15 minutes long and this show is going to be half an hour long because to me... This was like a classic example of an of an Adult Swim show that should be 15 minutes long. I mean, the great majority of the episode, besides the sort of lame ninjas um, oral pun, is based around isn't Michael Jackson freaky and let's, you know, let's contrive a bunch of explanations for why he's so freaky. And, you know, that's if you want to go with that for your central gag, that's fine. But it was a little bit much stretched out to 22 minutes. I mean... What I do find funny is that Adult Swim is sort of like this strange haven for production values that you don't really get on other shows. You've got this, you know, you know, great. You've got this great orchestral music, and the and it looks really good, and 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 that's something I connect to Metalocalypse and Venture Brothers and other shows. But I don't know it. Even even at fifteen minutes, I think I would have found my patience tested a bit. Yeah, um, it was way too long. I would have been good with like ten minutes not the 25 or such or something we got here. Uh, and I, I very much enjoyed the movie. I laughed my butt off watching the movie and I didn't laugh once in this. I didn't think it was funny at all. Um, the action was, was fine, but it was a bit repetitive. It doesn't have for me the same weight or, or, uh, uh, not like not like Black Diamond has gravitas, but it, it didn't have the yeah. same uh, connection to me that the the live action fight sequences had. Where at the, at the very least, you're going, man, those guys are in good shape and they are doing some impressive stuff. Uh, for mm-hmm. you know, fight sequences are less impressive when they're drawn than when they're actually choreographed for me. Because then I'm just spending the time going, that person's really good at drawing, uh, which they are. But that's you know, it's for me, it doesn't. It's not as effective. Or maybe it's just that it's not as effective here. It needs to be done differently. But yeah, definitely mm-hmm. way too long. I didn't laugh. It wasn't, in, you know, it was pretty... Uh, well, as soon as they started uh, with all the ninjas, uh, I, I got the joke the first time. And then they just beat it to death over the course of the 25 minutes. So uh, yeah, I'm not going to check back in on this one. But let's move on to what uh, the next one, which I have a feeling you might not be checking back in on. And that is The Newsroom. Oh, fuck the newsroom. With the episode title, I'll Try to Fix You. Uh, If there ever was just an episode title that put up a red flag, it's this show and the title, I'll Try to Fix You. So uh, let's, shall we start with the music? Uh, Yeah, okay. Um, If you really want me to hate your show, a really, really good way to do that is to have a big exploitative sentimental climax set to not just a Coldplay song and not just that Coldplay song, but I don't know if any of you eagle-eared listeners noticed, but they actually re-edited the song a little bit so that it's seven minutes long. I timed it. Seven minutes. (laughs) Fucking Coldplay. God damn it, I hate this show. Fuck you, Sorkin. God damn it. Okay, All right, wait, what wait, else do you want to talk wait, wait, about? Wait, wait. Okay, so you didn't like the music choice, but you had a far more virulent response to this than I did. I still think it's not as nearly as bad as the second episode. Oh, no, this was worse. Definitely Obviously, worse. McAvoy's being a, a total dick 
throughout the entire episode, but I thought they did a good job of showing that he was being a dick. Well, no, they didn't because, you know, you still, okay. If, if you, if all you have is, you know, women throwing drinks in his face, that's fine. That's a reasonable response to his dickishness. But then you also get these painful scenes of him alone in his apartment looking sad because he can't make a connection and blah, blah, blah. And I I can't think of a less resonant image, just a more cringeworthy moment than him standing sadly at his open fridge door, you know, just thinking about life. Oh, God. No, I don't feel bad for him. Nobody in the world does. See, I don't really remember that part of the episode at all i don't like i you blocked it out because you're a sane human being no i don't remember him just sort of moping around his apartment and us you know supposed to feel sad for him i don't remember that i'm sure it was in there or you know else you wouldn't have had such a strong reaction to it but for me i thought they did a good job of showing everybody in the office basically saying this uh, this is a bad idea oh look he's gonna try to civilized people and yes the the continual use of that term did rub the wrong way um and the whole bigfoot thing was stupid but which by the way took up like a fifth of the episode what it the took hell? up way too much of the episode yeah um but i think the the fact that you see everybody else around him reacting so negatively to how he's behaving i don't know maybe it's i could see easily how people see this watch this episode and feel like it's trying to tell us that McAvoy is right and he's right in his quest to civilize air quotes or to try to fix people and the title doesn't help with that but I think when you cast a Catherine Hahn as one of these women you immediately give her side of the story credibility no because she's Not such here. a strong presence no, she's there for five minutes, and then afterwards we see her bitch him out in a tabloid, and then the show totally, absolutely 100% ratifies his worldview with the ending, where, you know, they completely exploit the the uh, the Gabby Gifford situation, just so that we can have this, you know, again, this hugely long, ridiculous montage where, no, for once, breaking news is going to interrupt entertainment news, because that stuff is not important. Here's what's important. And... Which, by the way, is extra ridiculous and offensive in the context of this show where, you know, you know, Sorkin's browbeating us and telling us, you know, this is what we should have done. This is, you know, this is how news should be. This is what we should be paying attention to, not this tawdry bullshit. And then he goes and fills over half of his show with tawdry bullshit that we're supposed to care about. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's maddening. Okay. Okay. Do, do you do you see where I'm coming from at all here? Am I just I do. Alone? I mean, I it, I think it's just that I absolutely do see where you're coming from. And as soon as you point out that element to or that layer to the structuring of the ending, uh, I mean, I didn't really notice that while I was watching it. I wasn't. I was just ignoring whoever was on the news before earlier uh, that he was interrupting. And uh, as soon as you say that, yes, of course, that is one of the layers of what Sorkin is trying to say here. Um, but I guess the only layer, really. I guess it didn't really bother me that much because I think it's because I'm so aware that he's a pompous shit. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's I don't feel like you have every because earlier on you had every character, particularly Mac and also Charlie, justifying and 
apologizing for everything that McAvoy did. And you don't get that here. You don't get Mac saying, and he's right, and he's such a great man, and, and you know, all of this things and stuff like that. You only have McAvoy saying what he believes. You don't have the rest of the cast telling everyone that, telling the audience that McAvoy has to be right. Well, well, no, because he's too busy writing characters as idiots. And another hugely painful moment this week was Maggie just actually almost everything to do with Maggie, especially in the meeting where she just starts blowing up on John Gallagher. Like, and it's absolutely insane. And why would anyone hire a person like that? Well, but she's pretty, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I think that there's just a level of soapishness that I've come to expect from this show. So that's probably, again, why it didn't bother me. Again, if if you want to make a soap, a workplace soap or, or any kind of soap, that's fine. Just don't just don't lecture people about. Oh, no, I can't even muster the words anymore. Just. Oh, yeah. God damn it. I, yeah, I don't I, I still I, th- you know. Maybe it's just because I've been tempered by my rage has been tempered by that terrible second episode, but nobody is sending an email the wrong way this week. There's like, there's nowhere near the level of, at least for me, of, uh, of disdain towards women. I think there's disdain towards stupid, um, or what Sorkin perceives as stupid or what his characters McAvoy perceives as stupid or, you know, or the wrong values. But I don't think it's because they're women in the way that it felt like it was the, the judgment and the disdain was because they were women in some of the earlier episodes. No, now it's just a general disdain for people watching his show. I, I think that he thinks people who are watching his show agree with him. No, no, no. I I don't think it's intentional. Oh, gotcha. It's just this whole other, it's nearly everything that's bad about the show now is on like a conceptual level mm-hmm. where just this, this, it's just this perfect shitstorm of, again, this, this 2020 hindsight with the news and just, you know, let, let's wait, let's not call, oh, really? You're going to, you're going to, I don't know, something about the way that it used the whole Gabby Gifford situation was just so unbelievably crass to me. Okay. I don't know. Am, am I alone on that? Yeah. Okay. But uh, uh, just because I don't, it's a news story. And if he's going to use real news stories from the past two years, that's one that he's going to use. Yeah, no, by all means, it's, use it. But how is then... it more crass than using the uh, oil spill where people, you know, were burning alive? Um, so, some, something about the, the, the personal dimension of the story and just she's a person. And I don't know the the way that they get to use that for like another gotcha moment is just it was just too much for me. Okay, no, I, I understand that, and I, I I hear that you are done with the newsroom. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm done. Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. I don't need to stick around to see what Terry Crews is gonna do, and I don't I don't I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep watching for a bit, uh, though. I, maybe that some of that might be due to the fact that I am less excited about other Sunday shows than the rest of Twitter seems to be, and we'll get to that soon. Um, but I think that I just I am keep I keep being reminded of when I think about the show of how long it took Parks and Rec to find its feet, and once it did, 
it was amazing. And I think that there is still a lot of potential in this show. Perhaps that's just my affinity for this cast. But I do think that there's a lot of potential in this show to be very good. And I'm, I'm heartened by the fact that we keep jumping time. So if we keep jumping time and we do catch up, I think that that will go a long way towards fixing things. And if they, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna stick around. This is. I, I have battered wife syndrome with Sorkin, so it would seem because I right. stuck around for all of Studio sixty two. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. If we get another episode, the likes of the second episode, then. I think I'll probably jump ship, but for me, we still haven't gotten anything nearly as offensive as that. Fair enough. Well, in, in terms of hoping for improvement, the difference between something like Parks and Rec and something like this is it's so clearly the product, uh, both in credits and in, you know, in general concept of one guy who just seems to get more arrogant with time. So... Well, the difference... I mean, I would say that the main issue with season one of Parks and Rec is that they hadn't figured out who Leslie needed to be. They hadn't found her. And so the the character that they started with was not the character that needed to exist to make the show work and to make it really sing. And they figured that out and they fixed it for season two and the show's been great ever since. And I think that this could be the same situation here where they just need to figure out who Will needs to be to make the rest of the show click. Now, I'm less hopeful that that will change because he seems like so much, such a clear Sorkin parallel and, uh, and Avatar. But if it does change, I want to be around to see what can happen because Sorkin, when he's firing on all cylinders and when he's listening to the notes that he should listen to, can be mm -hmm. really great. So I guess right. I'm going to stick around a while longer. <laughs> right. But, but also keep in mind that you know, this, I'm assuming that these episodes aren't still being produced. I think they were, I'm sure they were all made mm -hmm. ages ago. So you know, you can't really, don't expect the show's trajectory to change massively in the next few episodes is all I'm saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I'm sure you'll be, I told you someone all over the place. Uh <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Let's move on to the uh, the premiere, the, one of the two premieres this Sunday. This was the pilot of Political Animals, which is one of the most buzzed about shows of the summer, I would say. Uh, a fantastic cast uh, and a, a, a interesting premise. It's, if the newsroom is one take on the political situation uh, of, of years past, recent history, then I think Political Animals, it's safe to say, is another interesting and slightly different look at what the politi U.S. political uh, situation has been uh, recently. What did you think of this pilot, this cast, and are you going to stick around for the rest of this six-episode mini-season or mini-series? Um, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right that this is the most buzzed-about show maybe since, I mean, new show maybe since Girls. I mean, I feel like I've read a lot of very positive things about that. I think against that set of expectations, it's a bit of a disappointment because it's, I mean, it's, it's different from, uh, USA's usual output. I, I would actually say very different, but it's still sort of frothy in the sense that you might expect. Uh, that being said for a 72 minute pilot, I thought this clipped along uh, pretty quickly. Uh, you're right that it has an incredible cast. Um, I actually don't think Sigourney Weaver is all that incredible an actress, but it's, I guess it's good to see her getting decent work, but you've also got, um, 
James Wolk, who we know from Lone Star and his other appearances on other stuff, and uh, Sharon Hins, and even Dylan Baker shows up as the vice president, and you know that he's going to be important and probably doing something scandalous later because he's Dylan Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, probably will involve children. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I, I This, to me, is a more interesting idea than the newsroom in terms of handling, you know, current affairs. I was, when I was at work a few days ago, I heard a radio ad because I was listening to the radio because I'm 55 (laughs) uh, for this show. And it was, and it basically said, uh, if, if this show resembles a certain secretary of state, you might know it's absolutely intentional. Like they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're not even trying to be subtle about it. And I kind of admire that, you know, I, and, and, it's basically political slash fiction. Uh, you know, they've, they've replaced the two boring, yeah, they've, you know, they've, re- they've replaced the relatively boring kids. I actually don't remember the Clinton kids at all, um, to be fair. But I'm kid. also not American. Kid? Oh, they've only Daughter. got one. There you go. Daughter, right. And yeah, oh, right. Chelsea, right. Yeah, and she's boring. She's fine. Um, and they've replaced her with like a whole whack of kids who have a whole whack of problems and that makes things more sexy and exciting. And some of them are interesting and some of them are not so interesting, but, um, I don't know. I, I had a good time with this. Carla Gugino also is in this and is great. And it's uh, I'm, I'm glad to see her with a regular role on something because she didn't get nearly enough to do Unjustified. Yeah, um, she absolutely did. I had a lot more issues with this pilot than I feel like anybody else did. I The cast is fantastic. The premise is very interesting. And there's a lot of potential there. Um, but the writing isn't good for a lot of it. At least that's what I felt. I felt it was so incredibly expository that it felt, I mean, I felt like they might as well have had voiceover for much of what was going on, much of what was being said. Just the way that things like, oh, come on in, my son, who works for me and is my chief of staff, like that kind of (laughs) dialogue, or I'm not sure exactly what the the son's job was, but that that sort of a thing, I really, I didn't felt, didn't feel genuine at all the way that these characters talk to each other by the end of the uh by the end of the pilot which uses its full 72 minutes i would say well and needs that because of how much they're setting up uh by the end of the pilot i thought that the rapport between sigourney weaver and carly Gugino was was excellent and there's a lot of potential there but it just it felt really creaky to me and i'm surprised that nobody else is mentioning this mm-hmm well, also, I'm going to use a word that you so often parrot at me when these things happen. Pilot. Yes, that is true. And you're absolutely right. And I'm going to, of course, I'm going to stick around with the show to see what happens. Um, but I just, I'm surprised by all the praise that's been heaped on this show. I don't think it's a better pilot than Bunheads. Um, well, maybe not. But also this it could also be another situation where, you know, we're out of the loop in the sense of only having seen the pilot. Maybe it gets better from here on out. And I, I, I do think it's a solid, if very piloty pilot. And I, I think just the fact that it manages to make 72 minutes seem reasonably like 44 was enough for it to get the check of approval from me. Yeah, I mean, it does. I do. I, mean, I get I have the check of approval as well for this show and I am going to watch it. And I do recommend it, but I just I'm not as enthused as everybody else. It didn't bother mm-hmm. you that, you know, two of the three sons slash daughter-in-laws have significant issues. And I mean, the, the, it didn't feel 
a bit too melodramatic? I mean, you know, people got issues. I mean, it's a melodrama. Ultimately, it's it's I don't mind melodrama if it's if it's entertaining and, you know, reasonably well constructed. And that's what I thought this was. Yeah. Okay. fair enough. And uh, hopefully it will uh, hopefully it'll improve the the dialogue will somewhat next week. And uh, we'll get to watch a a six episode season of uh, of just Carl Gino and Sigourney Weaver uh, interacting and trading mm-hmm. barbs i will say uh, uh she's a bitch with a capital c is one of the the best lines i've heard in a while i'm a big mm-hmm. fan of that one so there are some some good lines in there too uh but yeah i look forward to seeing where the season goes do you have any word on a season two pick up yet uh i ha- i don't think there is that yet but i would assume it's gonna happen yeah. just if only based on the fact that people are talking about a show that is on usa yeah yeah, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but let's move on to True Blood and Hopeless. I guess, got, of course, we're going to talk about this you know, later in the show, but I just got back from Comic-Con and there was a True Blood panel there. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And one of the fun parts of that was Chris Maloney. And as soon as I saw part of where this episode was going, uh, I, I was very uh, entertained by his presence at comic-con what did you Mm -hmm. think of true blood this week yeah he had a he had a tight window for appearing eh yeah uh yeah i mean i guess you can say you can take very hollow satisfaction in saying i told you so uh seeing that i didn't actually contradict you because yeah it was very obvious Mm -hmm. midway through this episode that he was a goner uh if not in this episode then very shortly afterwards and also very obvious that there were turn other turncoats etc etc um, but even allowing that, it was still a pretty entertaining hour of TV, I thought. I'm definitely curious to see where they're going to go from here, how crazy they're going to allow this to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did think the blocking of uh, Roman's death scene was a little weird with everyone just kind of standing around. I'm like, aren't you guys all super fast vampires? Like, what's... really? But... <laughs> But even allowing that, uh, of course, uh, we still got lots of Ifrit plotline this week, which I'm sure you weren't happy about. No. But uh, you know what I will say is that I loved that scene between Terry and Arlene. I am so glad that they were honest to her devotion to her kids saying, I love you, but you can't be around my kids if this is what you're going to be like. So I really enjoyed that. It It gave Carrie Preston something real to do. And she's usually yeah. on the show as a comedic foil, but and she's great at that. But it was nice to to see that a little bit of that too. Let her stretch her dramatic wing, uh, wings a bit. Um, I I had a lot of fun with this episode. It looks like to me it's finally starting to kick in. The season is finally starting to kick in at the halfway point. I wish we could have gotten here three episodes ago. Um, the as as soon as um, Russell Edgington was back on the screen in f- full form. Uh, you knew it was going to be a fun episode. And this is such a big part of why season three was so much fun. And that's just because Dennis O'Hara's just campy scenery chewing, just crazy performance is just awesome to watch. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. and as soon as anybody's up against him this early in the season, you know, whoever's up against him is going to lose. In this case, it's, Chris Maloney's, you know, Raymond Mm -hmm. or something like that. Roman. Roman. Yes. Uh, Right. I, I did think it was kind of funny slash sad that in the middle of the episode, it finally seems like Chris Maloney's having fun. Yeah, sorta. exactly. Right. <laughs> and then he dies. And then he dies. He's finally get, doing something with that character. And he's finally, you know, 
found the right the right levels for that character to work and then he's dead yeah sorry chris <laughs> eh. uh so can you explain to me what's going on with this hoyt guy and why i should care hoyt. okay yes hoyt is hoyt is a uh, a good guy who got involved with jessica and they were very sweet together and then um she cheated on him with Jason and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, she, well, they broke up, uh, he, you know, threw her out and she erased his memory and then, and then they were back together and then she unerased his memory and, you know, so things like that, difficult relationship (laughs) somewhat. Um, and then, so then when they're broken up, basically he's been, he loves her still, but is having trouble dealing with that and that she cheated on him and with his best friend, um, and so this season we're supposed to see him, you know, this, he's just clearly, he's suicidal at this point. Um, and so desperate to get back with, with Jessica. Um, and I'm, I'm somewhat glad and somewhat disappointed in where they seem to be going. I was worried that they were going to send Jason off with the supernatural hating hick people to, uh, to, to, to start fighting vampires or whatever in that way, and I assume get brainwashed and start killing people. But it looks like they're doing that with Hoyt instead, which is good because that happened with Jason in season two. Uh, so uh, that's what's going on with that. I assume we're going to see him, you know, get brought to his senses by these people and then decide he needs to kill all vampires or something. Um, but that's what, that's why we should care because he is a really good guy. Um, when he's not utterly depressed due to girl problems. Mm-hmm. So how much of that came across? <laughs> um, some of it, I guess. I mean, I, I think the whole, the, I mean, the fact that he's dressed as a, he's, he's got this like fang bang, bang attire yeah. on. And yeah. so he was just coded as gay and that complicated things. But yeah, okay. I, I, I get it now. Um, so, and what about all this stuff with, Again, because I haven't watched the show and I don't know how much of this is news. All this stuff with the fairies and Sookie and Jason's backstory. And yes. again, why is this important right now? We have never gotten any backstory on the parents other than they that they died in a flood or something like that uh, before this season. They're, they, they are of some sort of fairy lineage um, in the books. Jason and Sookie both have different aspects of fairiness. So that's why Jason is mega hot. And that's why Sookie has this mind reading and the glowy hands because they have fairy blood in them, you know, g- genetically speaking. As for the, apparently there's a somewhat of a war between the fairies that happens at some point in the books. And I don't feel like that's a spoiler to say because the show has only very loosely followed some aspects in the books. In the books, Jason is a were-panther at this point. And that's what? not happening in this uh, at all because they did that storyline okay, and then said no. what is a were-panther? It's like a Seriously? werewolf, but it's a panther. Why, why can there be a werewolf but not a were-panther? I mean, come on. Like, that's where you draw the line? <laughs> yes, that is where I draw the line <laughs> because a were-panther sounds silly and werewolf sounds badass. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that's that's what's going on with that, and um, yes, the other fairies are you know evil-ish, and Claude, I think who who what was the name of the guy 
that we met this week? Which one? The fairy guy who gave Sookie oh, the I don't hug. Remember. Yeah, he, we have seen him in the previous season. Uh, at the beginning of the previous season, he was hanging out with uh, saving her and Gary Cole from Queen Mab, who does not like her. And uh, and and so that's she's an ally. Um, her one of the fairy godparents, basically of of Sookie. Um, the other one got eaten by Eric <laughs> last season yeah. when Eric didn't remember, <laughs> it didn't have any of his memories. It was actually pretty awesome when that happened. Uh, but yet yeah, most of the fairy stuff this year is new. Hadley had, had come up in previous, uh, previous seasons. She has a young son, Hunter, who can also read minds um, and therefore is vampire bait because apparently if you can read minds, your blood is delicious. So... Uh, yeah, that's what that's about. So, and and why do the fairies operate some kind of apparently free sex club? Funsies? Okay, just checking. I was making sure that wasn't a plot point. There there might be a, a, another purpose to it, but we don't know what it is. Okay, because that just seems like a poor business plan. I don't think they're try- worried about making money. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, just curious. <laughs> what about uh, Tara and Jessica this week? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess we did get some of that. Um, but not as much as last week. I mean, Tara's friendless. Seems like she will be for a while. Mm-hmm. We didn't get too much of her. I like that they did float the possibility of Jessica and Tara still being friends. You know, like that Jessica still wants to be friends, even you know, despite that little situation that mm-hmm. went down with uh, with Hoyt. Because I, I think that dynamic has a lot of potential there. I like seeing. A slightly more maternal side to Pam, uh, and I don't know. We'll see what happens as it as it moves forward. I felt bad for Doug. Yeah, it almost seemed like he was going to make it out. Didn't I it? really wanted Doug to make it out. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, and that wasn't going to happen. I also enjoyed uh, Eric's mind wiping of uh, of, of Alcide. By the way, the Sookie can't be glamored, so that's what that's about. Well, I just assumed that he didn't want to, but all right. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, yeah, so uh, so that that whole thing with him screwing with Alcide, I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to protect her? She she kind of disgusts you. Yeah, yeah, that that was great, and I like that she just quickly figured it out and was like, "All right, screw, and just screw fixed this. it." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty great. Um, we also had the shifters and Sam finally getting something to do. Which was Although, nice. frankly, just the, from the from the blocking and the way they got shot last week, I figured at least she was a goner. Mm-hmm. But then to see them both just kind of injured was a bit of a cop out. Yeah, though I will say, what's the daughter's name again? Like Emma or something? Wolfie? I don't know. She's adorable. She's an adorable yes. werewolf, baby, little baby werewolf. Yes. Uh, so yes. hopefully that grandma doesn't turn out to be crazy and all just. She's lying Dale right now. Dickey. How can she not be crazy? Well, she's already somewhat crazy, but I'm hoping they're not going to go down that unfortunate plot line of the the grandma's trying to steal away the daughter, and I, mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see what happens with that. I'm not very excited about Elseed running the pack either. Uh, I think he's better as a lone wolf than as pack master, but I guess we'll we'll see where that goes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had so much more fun with this episode. Oh, and we didn't even talk about uh, about. Uh, Lafayette and Jesus and uh, his mom. Yeah, so um, what's her deal? She's crazy, but apparently okay, uh, she can talk to spirit. She's also a medium, and that's part of why she's right. crazy, uh, which we just found out this, I guess, I guess at the end of last week is when we found that out. Um, so I guess we're seeing Lafayette go off to 
you know, on some sort of vision questy thing to right. try to help Jesus. It would be nice if these plot threads had a little bit more to do with each other, but I guess yes. you take what you can get. Well, that's one of the strengths of some of the earlier seasons as compared to this season and um, last season and maybe even season three. Um, earlier on, the, they tied together in a much more uh, cohesive way. And so that's why this year when we have the, the Ifrit, right? Did I do that right? Yeah. Yes, when we have the Ifrit storyline, which is completely separate from the fairies, which is separate from the authority, it, it just feels so much more disjointed, which is completely separate from Lafayette, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that they kind of try to bring things together somewhat, but mm -hmm. I don't really see that happening, frankly, at this point. We're already halfway through the season. Uh, we just need to get a fairy, ghost, uh, angry mob, werewolf, Russell Edgington showdown in a park somewhere. Yeah. Now, did you enjoy Russell as much as I did? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, Dennis O'Hare is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to see where it's going. I mean, is he, are they just going to destroy the um, the authority, or is there going to be some sort of sanguinista army? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, I'm they could, they could go any number of different directions with it. I'm hoping they do something incredibly nuts. Yeah, that would be nice. That's when that's when they are at their best when they just go crazy with it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, we should move on Maybe every week. Maybe kill some characters. That would be uh, good. Permanently kill some characters. That yes, that would be a good thing. Um, but we should move on every week. It's it's not the best show we're watching by a long stretch. But we end up talking about True Blood more than anything else. Well, it's because you have to explain to me what the hell's going on. It. I mean, I do think I know a lot of critics uh, just think this season is terrible or just not even worth watching. But I think it's a fun show. It's not a mm -hmm. great show, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can concur at least based on what I've seen so far. Um, but let's uh, let's move on to the Breaking Bad premiere: Live Free or Die, season five, final season. Right, which is like the ultimate Breaking Bad episode title. Yes, pretty much. Uh, what did you think? And were you surprised by how this started up? I thought it was good. I mean, there's really no bad episodes of Breaking Bad, but it did feel weirdly like a season two episode or maybe even like a season one episode. It felt like, uh, you know, sort of one of the earlier, wackier, caperier episodes, uh, which I wasn't expecting at all. I thought the opening scene was amazing and easily the most provocative thing in the episode. That, that flash forward of Walt and he doesn't seem as sort of top of the worldy as he is in the rest of the episode. Seems a little doubtful. Seems a little jittery. And of course, it's considerably later and he's at a Denny's not enjoying his free breakfast that he tries to pay for. <laughs> and um, lots of interesting stuff there. I, it was great to see Jim Bieber again, if only for five minutes. Yeah. I, I was, like that he's just everywhere. I was so glad when he popped up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I read a Justified Actors in this episode, I was like, hmm, I guess Jer Burns is back. Nope. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, the rest of the episode was fine. Uh, some of it was great. The thing that I really had a hard time with was the way they incorporate Mike into the episode. And just I had a really, really hard time buying that a guy as no nonsense as Mike, A, doesn't just shoot them when he sees them in the <laughs> desert. Uh or at least you'd, I know he likes Jesse, and that's really the only mitigating factor. Mm -hmm. But that he doesn't just shoot Walt then and there, I don't buy. I'm sorry, I just don't. Uh, but then even allowing that, that he 
goes along with their insane plan at like every at its many stages, I all I really don't buy. So I don't know. They needed to find a way to do that without him or do that some other way because it just did not work for me. See, I didn't have any problem with that. Uh, I absolutely see your points. They're valid. Uh, I thought I I don't know that they necessarily did a good enough job, or maybe it's just because it's been so long since we, since we saw Mike and Jesse interact in a meaningful way because he was shot and then you mm-hmm. know out of the equation for the the last uh, the finale. I think it's I don't think they did a good enough job of establishing how just how fond Mike is of Jesse. Mm-hmm. Maybe even just with the way in the recutting the previously on Breaking Bad sequence to show a little bit of that would have helped. But for me, I thought they did a great job of incorporating Mike because that was that was my big surprise from this premiere. I did not expect to see Mike until much later um, in the season. And 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 I then so just immediately picking up where they left off. Actually, first let's mention the hair. Walt has hair in the yes. opening scene, which was a great surprise. Um, but uh, but but and I, and then for a while I thought they were they were gonna just jump time and we were gonna you know find out later. And so that was interesting too. And then to come back, I thought was was smart. But um, for me, other than being surprised at what they did with Mike and enjoying it, I I was very much taken with Skylar this week. Anna Gunn is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't wait to hear all the haters bag on her again. Like, I know they will all season. Mm-hmm. But you're wrong. Skylar's a really interesting character. Anagon is fantastic. And I look forward to seeing where this season takes her. And yeah. apparently she's finally got her head out of her ass about her husband. So that's good. Yeah, well, and by which you mean she's justifiably, absolutely pant-shittingly scared. Yeah. Which she should be. Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, her scene with poor, poor Ted Beneke. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah, if you, if you don't see a, a headstone, assume they're alive. Yeah. Uh, or in the case of Gus, half a head. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure nobody was excited to see that plot line dragged up again because it was sort of everyone's least favorite part of last season. But I still think that was a great scene. Well, let's see what else happened. Uh, I'm... I, I, this episode felt to me weirdly, except for the opening, it felt like a quick sort of slight epilogue to last season. Like, okay, let's let's tie up these last few loose ends. And I like the way they they the show obsesses over little over seemingly little things that other shows could forget about. I, I mean, video surveillance of our principal characters doesn't sound like a little thing, but it is something that other shows would just completely forget about and just say, oh, well, it's in the past. We don't care. And here they spent an entire episode having to deal with it, which makes and I and I love the way Walt's just like, oh shit, like he just remembers because that's what you never see characters <laughs> that's what do happens. That on TV, but that's totally what happens. You just like, oh, there's this really important thing that I totally forgot about. Yeah, that was fantastic. Well, and also it happens several times in the episode. It, it happens. He's gathering up all this stuff, and then he remembers. Oh yeah, the 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 plant. And and he adds the plant, and then later he's standing in. Oh yeah, the security footage. Yeah. Um, did did it did it feel to you like you were watching a particularly crooked episode of MythBusters about halfway through, when they're all standing in the desert and there's like a whole bunch of white guys high fiving each other when stuff works the way they hope it will? 
I loved that sequence with uh with Mike and Walt and Jesse in the background saying, "Dude, magnet, magnet, magnet." <laughs> I was paying attention in in high school science. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was because that was of course the first thing that I thought of. So I was mm-hmm. so I was so glad you know to to get to that they gave Jesse that moment. Um, and then yeah, it was fun. I thought you know, but of course I thought it was not the best trial if you're going to try to see if something's going to work standing out in the desert by yourself is nowhere near the same as it needs to go through a concrete wall that probably has some metal girders and it needs to go you know that's not even kind of the same but mm-hmm. you know i thought it i thought it i thought it worked overall and yeah there was a fun little perhaps a little bit of a mythbusters vibe with those two other guys who were just kind of there that was just high-fiving just high-fiving uh which I mean, I probably would have if I was... Yeah, if you were operating a giant magnet and it did what you told it to. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, I think the... Because I know that some people don't consider or don't seem that as excited about this premiere as maybe they, they would have hoped. They're, I Maybe they were hoping for something more explosive to kick off the season. But I feel like a lot of series that come to a peak end up doing one of two things that, that builds so strongly over the course of a season with such a defined arc. Either they pull a Game of Thrones and uh, True Blood, True Blood often does this, of of the second to last episode is the climax and then the finale deals with everything out, like wrapping up the loose ends and setting up the next season, or they have to spend the premiere doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of doing all the uh, the bookkeeping so that we can get things going with uh, with what the next storyline is going to be, and so I guess I d- it didn't bother me too much. It's not as you know, you'll notice it's not in our spotlight this week. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah, well, a spotlight. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, our two sort of spotlight go tos, Louis and Breaking Bad, both felt to me like you know they were both good, but they both have clearly higher gears than this and. Yeah. They, that they will get to, I'm certain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, Louis already has, and you know, I it, it would be it would be making it too easy to give Breaking Bad the spotlight this week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because we need to, you know, if you start out giving it an A and and it gets better, what are you supposed to do? Exactly. I, I am curious. I'm actually very curious to, because this is the first season since the first season that's not 13 episodes long. It's 16, and it's split into two sets of eight. So I'll be curious to see if it's going to work sort of like two mini seasons, like are they each going to have an arc or is it just going to be, are we just going to be blue balled at the end of this eight, eight episodes in just the worst fashion possible, which I could totally see them doing. Uh, which I expect, frankly. That's what mm-hmm. I expect. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, only two months. <sighs> I know. It's brutal. It's going to be, it's going to be harsh. Uh, but so, so it goes, any final thoughts on Breaking Bad or shall we, shall we move on to our final show? Um, uh, last thing I want to mention is the, I, I always forget how great the scoring is on this show mm-hmm. and it, it, it struck me right away. Um, and it was, it's just so great to have the show's, uh, as general aesthetic back, but especially the music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of music, what a lovely opportunity for transition because on Bunheads this week, we got a little Rite of Spring action going on in the ballet sequence. Rite of Spring is a ballet by uh, Stravinsky that is awesome. Yeah, I know. 
I know saying, what just, the Rite of Spring is. I went to music school for a couple of years. I'm just uh, the look was, come on. <laughs> Not everybody's going to know Rite of Spring. Um, but let's talk about this week's episode of Bunheads, Money for Nothing. Um, yeah, again, it was. I, I feel like Bunheads is losing a bit of traction for me just because it's moving so stubbornly, slowly. Especially with Michelle and her repeated cries of, no, I'm not going to teach. I'm not a teacher. Oh, come on. You're obviously going to teach. You're obviously a teacher. We've seen you do it. We know that it's eventually going to be the premise of the show, and you're taking an insanely long amount of time to get there. Uh, which is not as big an issue in the show as it would be for others, because it's basically fun to watch and just sort of enjoy the characters and see them interact. But it's still annoying. We got more of the girls this week, I would say. The Bunheads, particularly Boo. What did you think of that? Um, it was fun. I mean, actually, the highlight for me with the girls was uh, watching the, the tall, bitchy one whose name I forget. Sasha. Um, watching Sasha in her insanely awkward um, free drink attempt. That was <laughs> that was actually hard to watch in a good way. Yeah, that was, that was pretty harsh. Uh, definitely. I, I'm not very excited about this uh, hot surfer dude storyline that they're going with uh, at all. I'm like negative excited about that. Is it even a storyline though? Like I, I don't know if it's something they're going to pursue or not because uh, they, they, there haven't really been many through lines with these with these girls so far. So far in in, in each episode, we've seen like a, a little vignette here and there with you know different interactions with different characters, but I there hasn't really been you know. This is the first time, for instance, that we hear that one of the girls has a boyfriend that they've always been with and we still haven't seen them. Um, you know, they, they, they're, they're really taking their time with these, with basically every aspect of the show. I'm, I'm not really convinced that we're going to be spending a whole lot of time with Boo and Surfer Guy. I find that dynamic. I didn't think those two had any chemistry together. So I'm hoping that that'll just be a sort of background friend dynamic. As for Fanny and Michelle, I thought that worked. And I'm, we need to see more of Truly, the idiotically named Truly, because uh, I I like I love me some Mindy Collette, and we're not getting enough uh, of that actress. Uh, isn't isn't Truly just a nickname? Didn't we hear that she has a real name at some point? No, that was Boo. Of course, we found Boo's name is Batista. No, no. Yeah, yeah, I I remember that, but I remember there being two stupid nicknames that hide two actual real names. But anyway, I'm, well, maybe we'll, we'll hear it again later. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Fanny's sort of quirks this week really kind of bugged me. It was, you know, making her sort of wacky and, you know, post middle aged is one thing, but then having her just make no sense at all was, is another. And I don't know. I think they pushed that a little bit far for my patience this week. Well, and even just the, there are 75 people and nine of them are paying for lessons. That's, that was too much if it was like a 50 50 split i would be more willing to buy it but 75 and 9 there's no possible way she could keep that dance studio afloat even if they already mm -hmm. owned the land just you know just with basic expenses and insurance costs and stuff there's no way and so that that kind of took me out of it especially when the conclusion wasn't the other the other parents going oh I guess we should try to, you know, help out this person who's been teaching our daughters for free and sons for free yeah. for this long, but was instead, oh, no, no, we should get free lessons. Yeah, and I already know how you feel about uh, non-payment and fine arts. <laughs> yes, you do. You do know how I feel about that. Well, and, and I thought, I think it's, you know, important that we see, I think it's good that we see Fanny supporting people who 
want to dance who come from you know challenging backgrounds where they wouldn't be able to that's one situation but sasha her parents are rich we've seen that that's been you know how how is she not paying how are the only people paying for lessons the woos and i mean if if anything if, if anything people from affluent backgrounds would be suspicious of people they're not paying it just seems kind of strange. Uh, so I don't know if it'll be uh, if it's something that we'll see addressed, or if it'll just become an Armin Tamsarian situation where it just where we all agreed to just not mention it again. Uh, I'm kind of hoping for the latter, but we'll, we'll we'll see what goes on. But yes, for me, the biggest thing, more truly. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. Um, so more any possum. <laughs> that, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Well, and, and I was thinking the whole time that possum is adorable, and then it started hissing. I was like, that possum is not adorable. <laughs> I was waiting for it to be somebody's like escaped pet. I was very glad when it wasn't. Yeah, I thought she was gonna call Fanny, but Fanny, oh, that's Arthur. No, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So uh, that was that was a nice surprise. Um, but we have been going on and on, and we should get to our our wrap up of Comic Con. So let's take a quick break, listen to a little music, and come back with uh, a little uh, wrap up of 2012's Comic Con. At least for the TV side, we'll be r- right back. Well, she sneaks about the world. Carmen San Diego, and I do have to admit to stealing that idea from Paul Goebel, who used that as his as his track and on his episode this week. I couldn't think of a better song to go with uh, San Diego Comic Con, so that's that's what that is from. Plus, I love Carmen San Diego. I was Carmen San Diego for Halloween a few years back, and I have the awesome red hat to prove it. Nice, uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, but Comic Con happened. It was the uh, my first time going, and uh, it was. It was quite an experience, but I'm going to have you... What should I talk about? Well, let's... I, I guess if we're going in order, uh, we may as well start with Pilot Night, which in which you got to see uh, some pilots. And I, I, I know that they weren't all uh, mind-blowing, so maybe we can go with uh, Best and Worst. How about that? Oof, that is that is tough. Okay, so Best and Worst, uh, there are five pilots. Uh, you can see my write-up at Sunnetsite to see my thoughts on each one individually. The best, I'll say, was Revolution, which is the new show from Eric Kripke and and J.J. Uh, Abrams, the pilot's directed by John Favreau. And it has a lot of promise. It's a, it's a post-apocalyptic uh, setting, agrarian society kind of setting. All technology has ceased to function 15 years ago, mysteriously. I wonder if they'll get into that. Uh, but it has a, a pretty strong cast, and they do, once the quest sort of element to the, the show kicks in, then it, it's, it's a pretty, it's a fun show, um, solid cast, solid writing, good action, and a, a lot of potential in where it's coming. Plus it has Giancarlo Esposito, who is fantastic in this, and very different from Gus Fring, which, mm-hmm. uh, he's, a, he's a menacing figure in the show. Um, but he met, he does that in a completely different way from, from Gus. So it's, it's great. And he's absolutely electric on screen in a way that he's just not 
on Once Upon a Time when he's appeared in his terrible character there. Mm-hmm. Um, not his fault, the writing's fault. But uh, but yes, yeah, so that is the that is the highlight. Um, the low light, I will say two, which are Arrow for the CW, which I just thought was bad, just not a good pilot, terrible writing, and and the following, which was a better show, but had a gross level of fetishization of violence against women. And so it was offensive. If I was going to spotlight of shame something, I know it's been a while since we did it, but I would spotlight of shame mm-hmm. uh, the following because it really, it, it really bothered me. And more than anything else, I think I was bothered by how receptive the audience was to it instead of just being absolutely turned off the way I was. Just for the record, I totally put in a vote to Spotlight of Shame newsroom this week, and you vetoed it. I did I veto it. Know. Well, because we have to both agree that it is I know, deserving. I know it's the same with the Spotlight. I know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's. I mean, when I when I saw the slate, I was like, all right. Well, hopefully something will be good. I'm glad you at least enjoyed Revolution, which mm-hmm. I know other people were more mixed on. Well, the other two shows were they were they were mixed for me. Like they could be good, they could not work at all. Uh, that's 666 Park Avenue and Cults, but those are going to be more wait and see kind of situations. So we'll, we'll I mean, we're going to talk about all of these when the the pilots mm-hmm. come out and air in the fall and in mid season. Oh, pilot so season! We will have plenty of time to talk about those later. Uh yes, we will. I'd forgotten what a nightmare pilot season is. Anyway, at least your your burden is a little bit lighter now. Uh, so yeah, so let's. I guess we'll go day by day. Um, what was the most exciting part of day one for you? That, oof, I saw three panels on Thursday, uh, Psych, Wilfred, and Archer, and they were all a lot of fun in, in different ways. Um, the highlights of the day, I will say, Tim Omenson did a great job moderating the Psych panel. We got some nice clips. Uh, we got some information about the 100th episode is going to be Clue-themed, which I'm looking forward to. And then there's they're going to do a two-hour musical episode, which we heard a little bit of some of the uh, of some of the music for that. So that should be cool. But then the other thing is that uh, Archer and Wilfred were hilarious. I got to see a full episode of Archer, which won't air until next year. So that was awesome. Damn you. Spoiler alert. It's it's funny. It's very funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the... The, the the big takeaway from one of the big takeaways at least from the convention was that if you want there to be a funny panel put voice actors on it because mm-hmm. they're really funny and they play off each other very well um so that archer panel was just filthy in the best possible way. you would have loved it you and ricky would have absolutely loved it and the wilford panel was also hilarious the the producer on that show is hilarious jason gann is very funny and elijah wood surprised me because that that guy is funny and I wouldn't have yeah, said that. I, I heard something specific. I mean, I, I heard rumblings about him in particular and something that happened and it was being really funny, but I didn't know what that was about. Um, there was, uh, the, I, I missed the episode that they screened because I was running from the psych panel. So it took me a while to get in. Um, I got in after the episode aired, but before the Q and a, uh, so I saw most of it, but the, there was some, yeah, we already have an explicit tag. There were some jizz jokes that were apparently based <laughs> off of the, uh, the the pilot the episode that they aired so, okay. so that so I wasn't able to get the context for it but the comic timing of Mr Elijah Wood was fairly perfect he took his time was very deliberate and it was uh, highly entertaining mm-hmm. he he definitely seems like a guy you could have a beer with yes yes he does and uh, H John Benjamin uh, 
yeah, there's, I'm not even, I'm not even going to go where that went because we have an explicit tag, but that can mean so many things. So I'll just stop. <laughs> but it okay. was awesome. It was hilarious. Uh, and it was one of those, because I knew that there was at least one like 10 year old or 12 year old in the audience because I had waited in line next to them. So it was just one of those, I'm laughing. Oh God, I know that there are young people here who really uh, shouldn't be hearing. Why would you bring a 12 year old to an Archer panel? Because they had never seen Archer and Riff Tracks oh. was next. And they wanted to make sure they got in for Riff Tracks. And there was a little sign to, in front of each of the, the panelists saying, keep in mind, the people under 18 will be here. And they just didn't care. <laughs> Nice. So that was That's funny. probably what I would have done. Yeah. So that was uh, yeah. that was my Thursday. But but actually the highlight of Thursday was I went to the MS uh, Dial M for Meetup uh, thing that the Battleship Retention, uh, Warner Archive, and Criterion Cast guys put on. And so I got to meet those guys, which was so much fun. I hung out with them. I hung out with uh, Paul. And it was it was just a good time. And that was, for a lot of people, the biggest thing about Comic-Con is the social scene and getting to, to meet buddies who you haven't seen since last year or who you only interact with online. It's a great opportunity for people to network and to meet others who... Uh, who you get, who you're going to get along with, and who you might want to work with in the future. So that was a, a whole hell of a lot of fun as well. So that was Thursday. Speaking of hanging out, I know this wasn't that day. We're getting all nonlinear, but I hear you hung out with some sailors, and I promise I'm not going to make did. any jokes about that. Yes, the the fabulous crew of the HMCS uh, Brandon were in town on s Saturday as well as uh, a couple of their ships and their, their CO was, was changing over. So it was a, they were out for a celebratory drink and I got to hang out with them a bit and it was awesome. I got out nerded, out geeked on Battlestar Galactica. Ooh. Yeah. It was, it was pretty awesome. That, that is a difficult thing to have happen. I know eventually we will get to a, a Battlestar DVD shelf and I look forward to it, but yeah, so it these I was just hanging outside. I was wearing my Kaylee uh, Halloween costume, which was my cosplay of the of the event of the of the convention, and uh, I got just got approached. You're Kaylee. Oh, are you at that thing? They didn't know Comic Con was happening, um, <laughs> so so it just kind of struck up a conversation, and it was it was great. So uh, thank you very much to the HMCS uh, Brandon, and I hope you guys are having a uh, a, a good safe time out there, keeping safe. Uh, as I told them, I'm not Canadian, but I have many Canadian friends, and thank you for your service to their country. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so yeah, let's, I guess, get back on our linear path. Uh, what was day two like? Friday was, I, I got my butt up early. I left I left the Dilemma for Meetup uh, thing at, at 10, so I could get my butt in line at 6.30, so that I could get into the 10 o'clock panel uh, so, which I did. So that was community, then legend of Korra, then firefly. And then I went to some smaller things as well later in the day. Um, the firefly panel was fantastic just because surround being surrounded by the room held 4,667 people. So being surrounded by 4,666 people who are just loved all of the same thing, have a, a strong passion for it and can't wait to express that was amazing. So that was a lot of fun. Plus, you stick Nathan Fillion on a panel, you're going to have a good time, especially Nathan Fillion and, and uh, Joss Whedon just play off of each other highly entertainingly. So it was like Jamestown, but with chuckling. Yeah, 
Kind of, pretty much. They showed a, a few clips from different things. There's going to be a Science Channel, like, 10th anniversary thingy in, in November. And so, hence the panel, um, where, where we're going to get some interviews and things. Lots of, of good fan questions. And it was just it was just a fun thing to experience. The energy of the room was pretty great to experience. And then later in the day, I went to a couple other panels. Uh, I went to... Well, early in the day, I'd gone to a music panel that didn't impress me very much. But uh, I went, I, I, I changed out one of the other panels I was, I, I was in and went to the Science of Science Fiction, which had a bunch of different um, writers and scientific advisors to, to, to shows like Eureka and Battlestar and was absolutely um, just fantastic listening to them talk about what level of prep they put into getting the science right on these shows or or when it matters, when it doesn't, um, that sort of stuff was really neat. And those are the kind of panels that you don't have to wait in line for hours to get to see. And that aren't just, uh, clips from a show that you like that are, are more, uh, more interesting if you're there for discussion as opposed to just a presentation. So I went to some of the things like that, that on that Friday, which were, were, were a lot of fun. And then we went out with the, went out with, uh, the Battleship Potential guys and Ryan from, Criterion cast and Paul Goebel for dinner, had a good time, and then went uh, back to get to bed to go out on Saturday as well. So that moves us to Saturday, which... You, wait a minute. You, you were sleeping far too much on this trip. I need to sleep. I require sleep. I don't know how people do I was getting tweets from people at four in the morning who are still out. I don't know how... they. they I, I can't function. So that's mm-hmm. why... And that's also why I don't have a terrible deathly cold right now, <laughs> having yeah, fair enough. gotten back. I didn't use any of my vitamins or anything. I was, I actually made sure I got sleep, which I know makes me a party pooper, but... It was. I still thought it was fun. Why was the? Um, you didn't seem too chuffed about the music panel. The trouble I had with the music panel is that, and I should have realized this ahead of time. Of course, is that I'm I'm a professional musician with you know, like twenty years of over twenty years of studying and you know seven years of degree you know undergrad and grad school. So the stuff that they were talking about is stuff that I already knew. Uh, so I, that of course, you know, like, like, uh, cause it's a panel for, for people who are interested in how they make music for, for TV and film. And I already knew that. And it didn't occur to me that that would be kind of the situation, but I, I imagine it's a similar thing to if you, if you're, if you're a person who does makeup and prosthetics for a living, the prosthetics panel is probably not going to be that interesting to you. Cause it's mostly mm-hmm. going to be stuff that you're already familiar with. So that was sort of the situation with the, the music panel for me. Fair enough. Uh, so I believe on the next day you wound up at Family Guy and American Dad for some reason. Yes, I I was out too late on on Friday night, such that I had trouble uh, uh, getting up in time for to get there at six thirty or seven. So I didn't get in for the first two panels. I did have a fabulous time in line, hanging out with people and uh, and and talking about different shows. Lots of terriers talk, which was pretty cool, and. Uh, and Where got were they when it was on? They were watching it while it was on San Diego Natives. Mm. They're one of their favorite shows. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but uh, I got in for Futurama, which is was one of the best panels of the convention, and Simpsons and American Dad, Family Guy, American Dad, uh, Vampire Diaries, and True Blood. So Saturday was a long block of shows, all 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 in a row. So I, I assume Futurama ties into the whole voice actor awesomeness goodness. Um, yes, but also it just, it was a far more structured panel. 
they had a draw off between two of the Matt Groening and uh, Stephen um, Sandoval. They had a fan costume contest. Zoidberg won. Why not Zoidberg? Uh, which was pretty great. Uh, and it just it was. I found the panels that were more structured tended to be more interesting. The Legend of Korra panel also had a table read, um, and so and that element of structure to it helped it be a little more interesting than just the standard ask a few questions and then open it to the audience sort of format. Have you seen any of Legend of Korra, by the way? No, I haven't, but it looked great. It looked really fun. So I look, for, you know, they. I think they knew that everybody who was there for Legend of Korra, most of them were really there for Firefly. So they they structured it such that you didn't need to know but if you did know then you got an extra kick out of what they were doing mm-hmm. so it was intelligently put together um the simpsons panel was the audience reaction was surprisingly tepid uh but they they kind of won them over there's a great short that they sh- they showed um the, the longest daycare which was pretty great. Uh, so that's going to be playing before Ice Age, the new Ice Age movie. So you got to see it without having to shell out 15 bucks for the new Ice Age movie. So good for you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really cool. Uh, and fabulous music by Hans Zimmer uh, in that. Fantastic music. Then the Vampire Diaries and True Blood were just, um, the room was filled with woo girls for a lot of that. <laughs> and it was pretty great. The The True Blood panel was hilarious. Just the, uh, <laughs> the way that... Uh, Everybody was giving um, uh, was giving Joe Manganiello a hard time about Magic Mike, so that led to <laughs> a lot of humor. It was a very athletic panel, that's what I'll say. And you can, I'm sure there's video up on YouTube. You can check it out. Ryan Quantin did a handstand and walked across the stage at one point. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a lot of fun. So I would, if you like those shows, you should check it out. Also, the True Blood panel gave out swag. One of the very few panels to give out anything decent. Um, so I got uh, some True Blood swag that I was able to... I, I was crashing with a friend at the con, so I didn't have to pay for a hotel. And they're big True Blood fans, so I hooked them up with that. But I do have a few pieces of swag that I'm going to give out to our fabulous listeners if they're interested. I have a a swag bag that's giant and is for Fringe. So it has a, you know the picture of the Fringe cast on it. Um, if people are interested in that, let me know. I also got a pair of green sunglasses, plastic sunglasses from Psych, and I have a little pin from Revolution. So it's not the most exciting thing ever. I was hoping to have T-shirts and all sorts of stuff that we could have like competitions or something like to to give out to you guys, but I they, nobody was giving anything out. It was highly disappointing. Uh, well, you could always throw in a white tee with Televerse scrawled on it. That'd be pretty exciting. We we have a fabulous logo, but then I'd have to get the shirts printed up, and that would cost money, and we're already not getting paid for this. Yeah, that's true. Although, if you want to pay us, you can go right ahead. Oh, we would... Any donations? You want to donate to the site or to the podcast? There is a link at the bottom of every post. We would love to 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 to, to get money. any donations you guys want to give us. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was Saturday. Uh, lots of wooing from the Vampire Diaries and True Blood fans. And it was a lot of fun to to watch the clips. There is a lot coming, sir, for True Blood that is completely different than anything we've seen yet. Oh, that's good. Uh, so apparently it's going to, the pace is going to really kick up in the next and how, few episodes. how many episodes do they do in a season? I believe 12. Okay. So yeah, there's not that many yet we're already halfway through so yeah yeah they gotta come on keep keep it moving guys yep so that was saturday 
from what you told me before, Sunday is a bit of a slow day traditionally. Yeah, usually it is. But uh, for me, it had one of the best panels. It had Fringe and then Supernatural and then Doctor Who. There was some other ones. There was Cleveland Show. There were Sons of Anarchy. But after Doctor Who, I uh, went and got outside, got a little sunshine, and uh, tried to walk the floor a bit. So I just saw those three. Fringe was really great. It's very emotional. Uh, Jessica Nicole and... Uh, and Anna Torv, uh, and Jessica Nicole started crying, which got Anna Torv crying, which got Lance Reddick crying. Uh, and, and then it got to Lan- to John Noble and Jessica Jackson. They're like, sorry, we're not going to cry. We're, <laughs> we're men. So it was, it, it was pretty hilarious. Um, I could have guessed Jessica Nicole would be the first to go. Yeah. Well, cause they asked what were your favorite scenes that you weren't in. And so she was describing one of the really touching scenes and she just got all teary <laughs> so it was well, that's it was, the easiest question for her though because she's not in anything. by far the most of it yeah that's true um but it was really cool also they handed out one of the other they they handed out probably the single hottest item of swag which is uh a observer hat like a you know like the the fedoras the you know gray fedoras that the observers wear mm-hmm. everybody got one and i'm sorry I love you guys, but I'm keeping that one. That's my souvenir. I wasn't able to find any T-shirts in my size at the con. I wasn't able to buy anything for myself. So I'm keeping the fringe hat. Uh, but that was definitely a hot item. I went to some panels later in the day where they were trying to bribe people to get their... Like, if somebody gives me a fringe hat, I will do this. You know, I will change my boat on this SmackDown. Um, but the Doctor Who panel was also pretty great. Supernatural... The cast was really fun. Jensen Ackles was having a blast, just eating up the the fan love. It was it was pretty fun to watch. But the the moderator just kept asking, and on the first segment of the panel, where they uh, the 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 moderator asked questions of the cast, and they kind of go back and forth before opening it up. He just kept asking questions about what the next season was going to be, but they haven't started filming yet. So the only people who knew anything were uh, Jeremy Carver, who's the new showrunner, and Ben Edlund, who are both there. But the the entire you know cast who was there didn't know anything, and the two creatives had clearly said they weren't going to tell them anything at all. And so, like a solid third of the panel was probably wasted with redundant questions. So that was rather disappointing. Um, and, and the uh, the fan questions were were pretty good on that, but not quite as good as they were for Doctor Who. Doctor Who was great. Um, Chris Hardwick moderated it, and he's really good at that. <laughs> I don't know if mm-hmm. you are familiar with his um, with his various hosting gigs, but he's really good at that, and he's a huge Doctor Who fan, and that really comes across. So it was a very uh, energetic panel. The audience were thrilled to have the cast and then one of the producers and Stephen Moffat there. Um, I think, actually, Arthur Darville might have gotten more cheers than anyone else. It was his first con appearance, um, so that was pretty cool. Um, a lot of the panel was really a send-off for the pawns, and they showed that clip. Oh, you don't. You, I would say that clip from, but you don't watch Doctor Who. Um, nope. They showed a a beautiful clip from the end of the girl who waited, which Doctor Who fans will know as one of the stronger episodes of last season. It was getting choked up, definitely getting dusty in Hall H. Um, I kept it together, but just barely. You know, start biting the tongue situation. I'm not gonna cry, uh, but I'm definitely gonna be sad to see the pawns go in in the fall. Um, and I'm worried that Stephen Moffat's going to kill them off because he's just the kind of bastard who would do that. Uh, so, so we got to see a clip from the end of the, like a reminder of how the last season ended. We saw that clip from the girl who waited. And then we saw two scenes from a scene from the second and third episode of this upcoming season, which I prefer uh, to a trailer 
you know, mm-hmm. quite a bit because it was an extended sequence and they're dinosaurs on a spaceship. Apparently the second episode of the season is titled Dinosaurs on a Spaceship and it was All really right. cool. So there was a lot of good stuff uh, clip-wise and uh, lots of fabulous questions. A couple Daleks asked questions. One was an adorable little girl, like yay tall, like eight years old with her hair done up like the eye stalks and she was ridiculously cute. And then the next one was an actual like full-on Dalek, you know, like rolling around sort of, you know, with the Dalek voice and everything. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to be in that um, and the final thing I will say about Sunday is that, uh, are you familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson? Uh, only vaguely in that he seems to set geek hearts aflutter. Yes. He's kind of the new Carl Sagan. And, you okay. know, that's, that's like the kind of the way I have to compare him to for people who aren't familiar with who he is. So I went to Starship Smackdown, which was like the perfect way to end the con for me because it was a pan- panel of spaceshipologists. Uh, so various, uh, somehow connected to the entertainment industry, mega dorks with lots of degrees about sciencey things and math things, and uh, who are also very funny. And then the audience would suggest different spaceships from popular culture, and they made up a bracket, and then the spaceshipologist whittled it down through the, via the bracket to the final two, and then they put it out to the audience. And when they put it out to the audience, at the very end, we were already running over. Um, they said, if there's anybody who wants to come up and, uh, you know argue for one of the sides feel free and neil degrasse tyson walks up it was amazing because of course nobody expected him to be there the con was practically over at this point like everybody had pretty much all left and you know he had never been to the panel before but he walks up and says first of all this is the coolest thing ever uh something along those lines and as soon as he showed up the the crowd just lost its shit it was pretty great and then Mm -hmm. he gave this ridiculously eloquent argument for one of the two sort of but more of a just a freeform analysis of of how you can analyze different t- um p- elements of popular culture or history that are from different time periods how you can you know how to try to analyze things that are so clearly separated by time and uh and and, and it was just it was ridiculously cool so that was also absolutely one of the highlights of the con for me and then i went to dinner with a bunch more podcasters and bloggers which was pretty great too yay so a lot happened which is good i didn't die because you know then i'd have to replace you and it'd just be a mess well you know and and then you'd have to start editing and i I know you don't want that i really don't it would be so inconvenient if you died (laughs) but it was a lot of fun and uh Anybody who's not sure if they should go to Comic-Con, if any of this stuff sounds cool or fun, you should go. It was it was an absolute blast. Granted, it's easy for me to say that because I had somebody to crash with so I didn't have to, you know, pay for a hotel room. And I know I know it gets expensive. But uh, next year, sir, you should come and just hang out. You don't need to go to the con. They had all six Batmobiles out on one of the lawns. They had all sorts of things going on that you didn't need to have a badge to get into. Um, not to mention the parties and the networking. So... That's my pitch. I think you should come next year. I think it would be um, fun. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but you guys have Fantasia Fest do. opening up. Well, fin- up. yeah, Fantasia's in Montreal. It's actually the first year I'm going to miss at least the great bulk of it. So I'm a little bit sad. But also their lineup isn't quite as exciting. Sorry, guys, as it <laughs> usually is. So, And hopefully I'll get some screeners in the mail because I'm special. 
<laughs> you're, well, you're very fancy. Mm. Um, but yes, so do you have any, you think, I tried to give a relatively brief, I know I've rambled for a while here, kind of wrap up, but uh, any questions, any things I missed? Uh, no, it sounds sounds pretty conclusive to me. It, I'm still not convinced it's, it's the sort of thing that I would go in for, just because I don't like people, lines, costumes, <laughs> uh, fun. Oh, lots um, of great costumes. I didn't even talk about the costumes, um, but lots of great costumes. I put a couple pictures of costumes in one of my one of my wrap ups. Um, there was a lot of really crazy stuff. There's they had a, three giant trolls from um, from the Hobbit. They had a giant Optimus Prime. There was uh, a, like this area set up with the with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where you could take pictures. They had Lego, oh, Lego Gandalf, Lego uh, Frodo, and Lego Darth Maul that were just full size. All sorts of really crazy stuff going down on the exhibit floor. Uh, but yeah, you, and, and I'm sure you can find pictures if you're Facebook friends with me. You can. Uh, see the the pictures that I have up from for that too but uh yeah lots of lots of awesome costumes as well all right well I'm glad you enjoyed it I did enjoy it it was it was a lot of fun and uh now I I was starting to get weary uh by the end of the weekend just because there's so much you're constantly going but as soon as I got home and got a little sleep I'm ready to go again so hopefully I'll get to go next year as well um, but we should, uh, we've already gone long. Let's, uh, let's do some show notes here. And so our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by the Bicycles. You can find us at sendonsite.org. Please leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of this week's TV, the Breaking Bad premiere, or this week's episode of Louie, or uh, Political Animals, or any of the other shows that or we talked about. Or the Newsroom, about. if you feel like it. I'll be happy to argue that on Twitter with anyone. <laughs> Let us know why we are wrong for our various degrees of disappointment in in the newsroom uh and you, you can also find us streaming at current we have an i itunes um, mp3 feed as well as an m4a feed the m4a feed has chapters so you can like skip around and avoid spoilers for the shows that uh you're not caught up on yet um let's see i we are both on twitter i am at the televerse you are i'm at sucker howell and uh then you can also email us the televerse at gmail.com and what should we have our question be? This And this will be, by the way, this is how you get swag. You answer the question, Ooh. either on the website or you email me. And the, the first three, or the first three who want swag, and you can claim either the, you know, put the three in the order you, of interest, the giant fringe bag, the sight glasses, or the revolution pin. Mm-hmm. There's swag, people. Yeah. And, I, and then if you email me, I will, your address, I will mail it to you. Uh, ship it to you. Uh, but what should our question be? Uh, I guess for those of you who are paying attention to this sort of thing, what sort of what new fall series are you actually excited about? That's a good way. That's a good one. And that way we know what to, to check out. So, yes, let us know the uh, let's say what top three, top five, something like that. Sure. Well, whatever you got, whatever you got, fall se- series that you are most interested um for the new year so that's a great great way to do it um and we will be back next week thank you all for listening so much and we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse 